Hi, I'm Matthew from PanicAttackRecovery.com. We are a collaboration of former sufferers who are helping current sufferers of anxiety, panic attacks, and agoraphobia. We want to share what we know works. While our information is designed for those suffering from anxiety, panic attacks, and agoraphobia, anyone can benefit from it. I want to first explain how you can make sure that you are not missing out on any of our content. I would encourage you to visit our website, sign up for our free newsletter, and get access to a massive amount of helpful content. Please visit our website at panicattackrecovery.com. In this episode, I would like to discuss confirmation bias, what it is, why it is important to be familiar with it in terms of your anxiety, and also your life in general. Then I will discuss what you can do about it. Now, definitions of confirmation bias can be found across many sources. Researchers, psychologists, Wikipedia, Encyclopedia Britannica, even legal journals and forensic science journals. I'll explain why it's important, but here's a description and outline. Confirmation bias is described as the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms one's pre-existing beliefs or hypotheses. It is a type of cognitive bias and a systematic error of inductive reasoning. People display this bias when they gather or remember information selectively or when they interpret it in a biased way. The effect is stronger for emotionally charged issues and for deeply entrenched beliefs. People also tend to interpret ambiguous evidence as supporting their existing position. A series of psychological experiments in the 1960s suggested that people are biased toward confirming their existing beliefs. Later work reinterpreted these results as a tendency to test ideas in a one-sided way, focusing on one possibility and ignoring alternatives. In certain situations, this tendency can bias people's conclusions. Confirmation biases contribute to overconfidence in personal beliefs, and can maintain or strengthen beliefs in the face of contrary evidence. Poor decisions due to these biases have been found in political and organizational contexts. Now, it's important to mention a couple of clarifications right off the bat. Most of the time, we don't carry out this process intentionally. We're not aware that we're doing it. So most of the time, we're operating unconsciously in the sense that we have no idea that we're carrying out this confirmation bias. If all this were obvious and intentional, we wouldn't really have a problem with it. Now, I would suggest, if you like, you could do an internet search of confirmation bias, and you will see that it is a very serious matter. For example, it could lead to bad forensic investigations. It could lead to wrongful prosecution of an innocent individual. Something that can have such an effect on the thought processes of individuals is absolutely something that is very important for anxiety sufferers to consider. We tend to pick out the negative circumstances in our lives. In other words, we cherry-pick evidence to confirm our negative beliefs. We often ignore the positive because, let's face it, we tend to be pessimistic as anxiety sufferers. Here's a simple example. Do you ever notice when your day starts out with something bad or annoying happening that your day continues this way? You conclude that you are just having a bad day. Now, in reality, there are many circumstances that generally occur in our lives every day. Some things are bad, some things are positive, and some things are relatively benign. When our day starts out badly, 
we really pay attention to the bad things. We tend to want to confirm more and more bad things will happen. We are sort of expecting them to happen. Remember, we are not really carrying out this process intentionally. With an anxiety sufferer or someone who is depressed, this pattern of expecting the negative happens for much longer than a day. Such a confirmation bias can exist for a prolonged period of time, which is one of the reasons it takes some effort to move someone away from such a difficult predisposition. Some anxiety sufferers in particular can easily find themselves finding things to be offended or anxious over. This can happen automatically. Dr. Shahram Heshmat, in his online article, What is Confirmation Bias?, featured in Psychology Today, explains that people are prone to believe what they want to believe. Seeking to confirm our beliefs comes naturally, when it feels strong and counterintuitive to look for evidence that contradicts our beliefs. This explains why opinions survive and spread. Some individuals who are anxious can view the world as dangerous. For example, a person with low self-esteem is highly sensitive to being ignored by other people, and they constantly monitor for signs that people might not like them. Thus, if you are worried that someone is annoyed with you, you are biased toward all the negative information about how that person acts toward you. You interpret neutral behavior as indicative of something really negative. As a test, try the following. When you are having a conversation with another person in a public setting, observe whether you might become distracted by others external to the conversation. Perhaps you look around to see if others are looking at you, or for some reason you are almost watching others for their reactions. The person or persons you are supposed to be having a conversation with don't even seem to notice these other people much. However, you might be sensitive to their reactions. It could be body language or reactions of others when you yourself are supposed to be in a conversation, as I mentioned, but instead you are consciously or unconsciously monitoring the reactions of others around you instead of paying attention to the conversation. Dr. Shahram Hejmat, in the same article I discussed earlier, suggests that the take-home lesson is that perhaps a true definition of self-confidence, then, is the ability to look at the world without the need to look for instances that please your ego. Now, as a recap, in a previous episode on self-esteem, I discussed that if you allow the external world to dictate your self-worth, then you will find yourself feeling down and anxious whenever others appear to have accomplished more or appear to be looking down on you. Although this would seem to be an unrealistic standard for anyone to hold themselves up to, many people do just that. The most important thing to realize is that your self-worth is not something that should be measured relative to others. Rather, as humans, we all have equal self-worth. We are all individuals. We each have different life experiences and genetics. So when you think about it, comparing yourself to others in terms of their worth is never really accurate. As I said in that podcast, and I'll say it again here, by using cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, you're able to integrate new patterns of thinking that will take hold and the whole process can help with self-esteem. However, this can also help us deal with confirmation bias in our daily lives. Under the CBT model, errors in your thinking cause distorted thoughts. Now, doesn't confirmation bias sound like an error in your thinking? As an example, sometimes you might feel like you've hit a brick wall in life. It really feels like the things that were bringing you joy or making you feel better are no longer working. So the question becomes, what do you do when it seems like you're getting nowhere with your recovery or in life in general? 
you need to recognize that CBT is something that you could do at any time, not just initially when you come down with your panic attacks or when you're feeling anxious. CBT is something you should be using in this instance because, and this is really the most important point, the reason you're feeling badly is because of your thoughts. What are some examples of thoughts you might have when you feel that things are insurmountable? Here are some examples, but it's always best to take some time to think about your own. Here's a thought. There is no way out. Or, this just proves that none of this works and I can't feel better. These thoughts are not necessarily obvious, but they're likely reflected in your feelings, if you think about it. As I've said many times, you need to be a good detective with your own thoughts because the particular thoughts that are causing your anxiety are not likely immediately obvious. Here's another example. Your thought might be, well, I feel sad because I feel like I failed. But have you really failed or have you simply experienced a challenge in life like everyone does? This is the notion of restructuring your thoughts. This alternative question, have you simply experienced a challenge in life like everyone else does, would be, in my opinion, an example of an alternative thought in the form of a question. A thought can definitely take the form of a question because it can still cause you to look in a new direction. You have to look at your own thoughts as an individual and generate alternative thoughts that are more accurate. One of the things I learned through my own self-discovery is that often when I would feel really badly or when I had been doing everything I could, I might become very anxious and on one level I would say to myself, see, I knew this wasn't going to work. However, I realized that I had bought into the original thoughts that came with the onset of my panic attacks and anxiety, I was right back in the same place, or so it would appear. In the moment, it's hard to recognize that. You can't see the errors in your thinking. You can't solve a problem that is caused by the same thinking that created it. This is so true for anxiety and panic attack sufferers. You can't use the same anxious thoughts to feel better. However, you can become more objective, and CBT allows you to step aside like a third party in a way. It's easier to give advice to someone else and such advice that we really believe. Yet the same things we say to others, we might not initially say to ourselves. This is what is known as the double standard, or as a double standard. In other words, you're holding others to one set of standards, but holding yourself out to another set of standards. I could quickly name countless examples, and I'm sure you could when you think about it. We all share this tendency. For example, as an anxiety sufferer, you would not initially heed the same advice that you provided to a friend who started feeling anxious. But you'd say that it was good information for them and it was true. That's why you need a structured, more objective way of looking at the situation in which you can generate more accurate thoughts. This can mean the difference between hitting a brick wall and getting back on track. In summary, by recognizing confirmation bias and its effects on us, we can become more aware of making bad decisions. We can become better at recognizing the tendency of interpreting events incorrectly in a way that can make us anxious. And there is much that we can do to counter this tendency. We instead can identify the errors in our thinking. We can replace more accurate thoughts in their place by using the process I have described. You can actually hold the wheel in your hands and exert a great deal of control over your thoughts in the long run by carrying out this process on a regular basis. While naturally you should expect that there are going to be problematic issues like everyone comes up against in their life, you can refocus again and regroup. You can simply get back on track. And that's how you remain successful in your recovery, by learning to be resilient. Now, 
I will end on a question. With all of the thoughts and everything we discussed in mind in today's podcast, do you think there's a better time than now to get started on the suggestions that I mentioned in this podcast? I want to explain how you can make sure that you are not missing out on any of our content. I would encourage you to visit our website, sign up for our free newsletter, and get access to a massive amount of helpful content. Please visit our website at panicattackrecovery.com. All information presented in these podcasts is provided for educational and informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for a psychologist, psychiatrist, or other healthcare provider's consultation. Please consult a psychologist, psychiatrist, or appropriate healthcare provider about the applicability of any opinions or recommendations with respect to your own panic attacks, anxiety or agoraphobia, or any other symptom or condition.